I'm glad to be out to the house of the Lord this evening. It's good to see all your bright, shiny, happy faces out here. And the Spirit of the Lord uh, makes you happy, gives you joy. When it comes upon you, you can smile. Even in difficult times, you can have the joy of the Lord down in the depths of your soul. So we're glad that God had a plan of salvation for us. I'm glad to be converted and sanctified uh, tonight. And uh, I'm glad to have the Spirit of the Lord reigning in my heart. which gives me the power to live free from sin and help us live a happy life here on this earth. And God blesses us. And then He gives us a home um, eternal in Christ. And we thank God for that. I'd like to read uh, in the Word of God tonight. And uh, you have your Bibles and want to turn along to 1 Corinthians. Begin reading in the first chapter in the 18th verse. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish? Hath God not, God not made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God. By the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things which are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I have enjoyed the camp meeting so far this year. It's been blessed. And I came expecting to receive a blessing. And the Lord has already provided many great blessings. I, could, I felt like I came with my cup full, but now it's running over. And I'm glad that the Lord reveals things to us. And um, As Sister Kay was preaching last night, she said um, a statement that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gives you the power to say no. And the Lord really came on me when she said that. And you know how when someone's preaching the Word of God, the Holy Spirit goes out and deals with you. Someone might come up to the preacher and said, I really appreciate that part that you said about this or that. And, and everybody that comes up to you may have something different. If it's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just brings the word out to the people and begins to feed you and meets your need wherever it may be at. But when she said that, the Spirit of the Lord came on me and I just thought, what a, what a powerful statement that was. It's a simple statement she made, uh, seemingly. But the world doesn't believe that we have the power to say no. That sin will overcome and overtake you. And there are sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commissions are the ones that you commit. Sins of omission are the ones that throughout the day you don't know you committed, but uh, they're imputed upon you. But according to the Scriptures and the way I read the Scripture, there really is no such thing as a sin of omission. 
Now, if I offend a brother, but it's not intentionally, it is not imputed on me as sin. And if that brother comes up to me and says, yesterday you offended me, I would gladly and humility apologize to him because there was no intention of sin. So that sin is not imputed unto me. But they like to call it a sin of omission so that they can say, well, nobody can live free from sin because people are committing sins of omission. I don't find the, the sins of omission phrase in the Scriptures. But if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. So sin is a willful transgression against God's law. And that's why we're preaching uh, the cross. We're preaching things that are foolishness to the denominational world today, to the creeds. And Brother Sam Jernigan pointed out some powerful points this morning in his lesson about the church. That when you get sanctified by the blood, Jesus puts you in His divine church. And when He places you in the church, you have work to do. And if you would intentionally and willfully leave the doctrine of God and sanctification and the church, He said that you would be cut off, and I would have to agree with Him tonight. If I have knowledge of the truth, knowledge of sanctification, and I reject that teaching, and I go, and even if I'm sitting in a church pew somewhere else uh, with a hymnal in my hand and singing a song of worship, I could be cut off according to the divine power of the Spirit because He's revealed to me truth and to much is given, much is required. And when He gives us understanding, He places us in the body of Christ for a purpose. And He places it in a divine church, not something of this earth, but as John said, I saw, John, I saw the, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God as, out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. It's something beautiful. It's something divine. And tonight we sang about Mount Zion and we're marching to Zion. But you know what? The fields of Zion, they yield a thousand sacred sweets before we reach those heavenly fields. And God's got a divine church here on this earth of the whole family in heaven and earth His name. And when you're born again by the Spirit, He puts you in that church. He places you with a position and a title. And you can reject the teachings of God's Word and reject the teachings of the church. And you want to make want to help your conscience feel better by attending somewhere. But you could be cut off by according to divine's will because God requires you to understand that which He has given you understanding in. And if you reject the understanding or the light which God has given you, God will hold you accountable for that light and truth. Well, you say, what about all these people that may be in these other churches that are not preaching full truth uh, that may be sanctified? They may be right. Or they may have their sins forgiven. They're only accountable for the knowledge that they have. And if they hear this divine truth and they have their sins forgiven and they have the gospel preached to them and uh, the message of the second work of grace, uh, God calls them to come out from among them and be ye separate if the teaching isn't right. If it's not from God's Word, He said, Come out from among them, be ye separate. Touch not the unclean thing, and then I will receive you. At that point, when God reveals to them truth, they become accountable for that. They cannot then, at that point, just reject truth and go back to where they were, although they may have been okay at that time. But once God shows you light and reveals to you truth, He says to much is given, much is required. You're then called to walk according to the truth and the light and the understanding that you have. According to God's Word. And so I believe that Christ's sanctified holy church is teaching the truth. And the individual congregations of Christ's sanctified holy church were members in particular of God's great kingdom. And we have uh, the authority to preach God's Word according to His divine anointing. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto them which are saved it is the power of God. I'd like to zero in on this verse here. Because we talk a lot about renewal, revival, and unity. And I am in favor of renewal. I am in favor of revival. 
and I am in favor of unity. But there can be no unity if the doctrine is left out. There's just a union. There can be no divine power if the doctrine is left off. There can be no salvation if the doctrine is left off. Now, there are many clubs and things like that that I could be a member of out in the world. And they agree to agree on certain things. And they come together. And maybe several clubs could come together and join in one thought or concept. And many in the church would like you to leave out uh, the judgment and leave out justice and leave out the doctrine of God and say, for the sake of unity, let's put all doctrine aside and come together. But that's not the way it is according to God's Word. There's what's called an ecumenical move across our nation where every religion, doesn't matter what the denomination is, uh, Jew, Muslim, everybody would come together just under the pretense that there is a higher power. But this is not what God is in. God's doctrine is in the Word of God. And Paul said that we are to preach Christ and Him crucified and that even though He or even if an angel from heaven would come down and descend on us and preach something other than we see in the Word of God, Paul said, let him be accursed. Because the Word of God is just that plain and that simple and there's no salvation in any other name because there is no other name under heaven or earth where we might be saved. I heard a minister say, and I believe it, he said it's better to go ahead and preach the truth that hurts and then heals than to go ahead and tell you a lie which will comfort you now and kill you. Now, I could tell you lies and fables and make you feel good. You may be in your sin tonight and say, well, that's all we can do. That's the best we can do. And you could leave comforted tonight. But that will kill your soul. And sometimes when you share the truth of God's Word, people get a little uncomfortable. They get uneasy. The flesh gets uncomfortable. But it's better in, in love to preach the truth that people might know that there is a right way. A highway would be there, Isaiah said. It was a highway of holiness. And he said that the unclean just can't pass through. And the Scriptures tell us in the New Testament to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So if we want to see God tonight, if we want to make it to a home to heaven, we've got to have the Spirit of God in our heart. Jesus said it, I believe in Matthew, He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I want to see God. I, I want Him to say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. I don't want to believe a lie and be damned, as it says according to the Scriptures. It just for the sake of a union or a unity or these type of things. But sanctification will bring about real unity. But it will call you to sacrifice. And I believe that in God's divine church that we should be submitted to Christ's will. Not just say, well, I'm going to serve God over here, but I'm not going to follow the teachings of the church. Because you cannot separate the teachings of the church and the body of Christ from Christ Himself. Because it is Christ's body. And many would like to separate themselves from the teachings of the church and just say, well, I'll do things over here. It's just me and God. But God calls us, as Brother Sam was talking about this morning, to be a part of God's church and to work and labor in His body. Uh, some are the hands, some are the feet, some are the eyes. But God calls us to all bind together to do the work of God. And why did He do all these things that so no flesh should glory in His presence? A lot of problems could be eliminated in the church if pride would be moved out of the way. If I am truly uh, have a desire to do God's will, then, and if I truly want to do God's will, I would want to obey the teachings that God has through His church because I want to be submissive. Now, there may be some things that I don't understand at times or maybe even don't agree with it, but if I know that it's going to destroy my influence and destroy me personally and make it hard for me, Sometimes all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. And uh, there are weights in addition to sins. 
And if we have a humble spirit and we can remove pride out of the way, we'll want to get rid of the weights and the sins that so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Where is the kingdom of God tonight in your priority? Is it number two, number three? Are you willing to give up things that you may not even have a conviction for so that your brother would not be offended? Paul said it's good uh, neither to eat meat nor to drink wine, to do anything that would offend my brother. He was willing to do anything, make any sacrifice necessary so that he wouldn't be offensive to the brothers and sisters of Christ so that the work of God could go forward. And if we have a humble spirit and we want God's divine work to go forward and the kingdom of God is the number one priority in our life, uh, giving up things for the kingdom of God is not a hard thing to do. And we'll be willing to do that so that no flesh can glory in His presence. Reading in chapter 2 of Corinthians, in the first verse it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit that we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now why did Paul not want them to have faith and confidence in his uh, speaking and preaching ability? And they say that Paul wasn't a great speaker, that uh, Paulus was much better, but you know, we have his words, and they said that his uh, writings were weighty and powerful. Uh, and we still have them today, and they're still uh, moving on our hearts today as part of the uh, canonized scripture that we have. Because Paul didn't come purposely with enticing words. Why? He, he didn't want to impress anybody. He didn't want to show off. He didn't want uh, uh, acknowledgement in those areas. Because he knew he wouldn't be around forever. But their faith should be in the Holy Ghost and in the power of God. So he came purposely, not with enticing words. And if I could say a lot of words, a lot of things that could oppress you tonight, and maybe get a few pats on the back, what would good would that do for the kingdom of God? But if the Holy Spirit can come on the scene and move on our hearts and help us to understand a divine truth, He can change hearts and lives. He can sanctify souls. He can move on situations that I can't understand. He can deal with situations that I have no idea are going on. The Holy Spirit does all these things. And when the Holy Spirit moves on the scene, people can receive that. But if it's just my personal opinion or my ideas, people will reject that. So he wanted the faith to not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Reading in the fifth chapter of First Corinthians, in the verse, the third verse says, "For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done so this deed." In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and with my spirit, and with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for Christ, our Passover, is sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, 
but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And sometimes God will call for you to make a sacrifice in your life for the sake of the kingdom of God so that the Spirit of God can continue to flow smoothly in your local congregation and with the church as a whole. And pride would like to set in right then when the Spirit of God is dealing with you on something, an issue, or whatever it may be. Say, well, I'm just going to do things my own way. But we need to consider the working and the moving of the Holy Ghost and lost souls as a higher priority than our selfishness and our own desires. But when you think about it in light to what Paul was saying here, that Christ, our Passover, He was sacrificed for us. Now let's put up Christ dying on the cross, bleeding, a death that He didn't necessarily want to die, but was willing to give up His own divine will so that we might have eternal life. And let's compare that to the small thing that Christ might require of you uh, occasionally in the kingdom of God to give up something that is maybe you don't have a conviction for. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, all things are lawful, but it's just not expedient to the working of God. When you compare those things, and you compare the sacrifice that Christ made, any small thing that God would require me to give up in my lifetime is really nothing. Why? Because Christ, my Passover, was sacrificed for me. And He laid it all down so that I might have eternal life. Small things are not hard to give up when we do God's divine will. Reading in the book of Revelation, in the 14th chapter, it says in the 6th verse, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him. You know, there is just no room for our own agendas in the kingdom of God. Now, this may offend you, And that may offend me, but it's the gospel truth. Christ is the one that died. He is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So the Revelation writer was saying, if we're going to give glory to somebody, if we're going to give honor to somebody, let it not be to me or you or anybody else in this building, but fear God and give glory to Him. Jesus said, if I would be lifted up from the earth, then I would draw all men to Him. Why is there not revival? Why is there not unity? Why are these things not happening? It's because the sacrifices are not being made that will allow God to be lifted up and have the glory. Now, if we really want restoration and revival, we ought to get down on our knees and say, Lord, whatever it would take, whatever would require me, I'll give it up. I'll put it on the altar of sacrifice, and then the holy fire will come down and burn up the sacrifice, and real revival would come down. But when you put it that way, a lot of people that you, if I had asked at the beginning of this message, how many want revival? Maybe everybody raised their hand. But now that you understand what it really takes for the moving of the Holy Ghost, and we had took another show of hands, how many would still say, I still want restoration. I still want revival. I still want to do anything it takes and lay anything aside to see a great moving of the Holy Ghost. We pray, I pray that it would be all the same hands, all the same things. I pray that you wouldn't be like the rich young ruler who when he found out that he needed to sell all that he had to get to the poor and said he went away sorrowful because he was a man of great possessions. He thought that was more important to him than the working of the kingdom of God. He said, say with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him. For the hour of His judgment is come and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the water. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city because she had made all nations drink of the wine of her wrath of her fornication. Now Babylon has been defeated by Christ Jesus. We don't want the remnants of Babylon in the church. 
One minister said, well, the world has become so churchy and the church has become so worldly. We want to cast out Babylon. We don't want worldliness. We don't want pride. We don't want envy and strife working in there because Babylon is fallen. It's become a habitation of devils. And yes, you can choose the church of your choice. You can go somewhere that they'll appease your conscience and make you feel good about decisions you made. But Babylon is fallen. It's become a habitation of devils. So come out from among her and be you separate. Touch not the unclean thing, God said, and then I'll receive you. God's got glory for us in His church. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him. If you remember the first passage of Scripture we read, it said that no flesh should glory in His presence. God wants to remove the flesh, the nature of sin, out from the church. You don't remember, if you remember when Christ uh, rose from the dead, He said He had power over all flesh. In other words, all the works of the devil uh, were destroyed. And God has given that power. Uh, that same power that raised up Jesus from the dead, it dwells in you. And He'll quicken our mortal bodies and make us alive. But pride, envy, strife, these things would like to come in. But if we come consecrated before the Lord, everything else will fade away. And we'll be like the disciples when they saw Jesus after He prayed. All I see is Jesus only. And you can live a happy and holy life. Uh, we'd like to point our attention to those that are lost in the congregation tonight. And I'd also like to say that I love each one of you. And I have no intention ever to personally attack or offend anyone. I uh, have no particular situation in mind. I'm just preaching what the Lord would have me tonight. I love each one of you. I want you to be saved, as the Scripture says, and to come to the knowledge of the truth so you can live a happy, holy life because these weights and things that weigh us down, they'll really make you miserable. And they will hurt your influence. And they'll hurt you personally. But if you're lost tonight, if you don't know God, the first work of grace is to receive forgiveness of sins. That's the first step to coming to know God. And all you do is confess the sins that you've committed and God will forgive you. Then, the next step is to get the Holy Spirit down your heart. Because God Himself, He can't dwell in an unclean temple. That's why there's two works to the plan of salvation. Conversion, then sanctification. Conversion, then sanctification. Two works because He cannot come in an unclean temple. He said the Spirit of God is with you, but then He shall be in you. It has to happen two separate times. Conversion... Get your sins forgiven. Come to God with a clean temple. Then He'll remove the carnal mind through sanctification, the second work of grace. And you can have the divine power of God working in your soul. If you don't know Him and you're seeking Him tonight, I pray the Lord will move on your heart. Let's all stand and have an altar song in closing.